The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So I want to talk to you guys about superheroes for a moment. So for the past 10 years, I'd say much of our culture has been captivated by Marvel's Avengers. My wife and I are actually going through all the films in their timeline order for a second time through the pandemic. Because it's fun. It's exciting. These stories capture our imaginations. The visual effects are fantastic. And, I mean, it's just good fun. So I want you to think about your favorite superhero. Whose movies or comics or stories do you always love to follow and can come back to time and time again? And why do you really like them? Perhaps you like Captain America for his truth, his justice, his sense of doing what is right. Maybe you like the Hulk because, man, he is just so strong and angry and invincible, and despite that rage, he still manages to get the job done. Thor for summoning his lightning, Iron Man for his technology, Hawkeye for... Who brings a bow and arrow to an alien fight? All these superheroes have special tasks, and they have special abilities to accomplish the tasks. For the foes that they fight are so beyond the ability of ordinary people like you and me. We need them to save us. That's why they're superheroes. Now, the the focus of our story today from the book of Judges is Gideon, and he is anything but a superhero. He possesses no special abilities, no superpowers. There's really nothing remarkable about him. In fact, the only thing that is remarkable about Gideon is the fact that he is unremarkable. Prior to our text today, the the book of Judges introduces Gideon as the lowest member of his family of the least clan among the Israelites. He is the bottom of the social ladder. And what's more is he's not particularly brave. He's perhaps not wise. He's simple, unassuming, and very, very scared of what's going on in Israel. For in the time of the Judges, Israel, they fall into this wonderful little cycle where they have the promised land, they live well, then they forget about God, they start to worship idols, and then God, because he promised them, if you worship idols, if you ignore me and my commands, then I will send destruction on you. And so God raises up their neighbors, they invade. In this case, the Midianites come in, and they take all the good land from Israel. And so the Israelites are driven up into the hills. And Gideon, he's not the first one to lead the charge and the counterattack. He's not the first one up there saying, we need to resist these foreign invaders. No, he quietly goes away. But then God calls him. God calls this unremarkable individual to be the one to deliver Israel from their enemies. And Gideon, he begrudgingly accepts. But he's still so scared of what is to happen because before he calls, before God calls Gideon to destroy the Midianites, he tells him to cast down their temples first, destroy their Asherah poles and their statues of Baal, get rid of them. So Gideon accepts this task, but he does so under the cover of night. 
He does it quietly in the darkness so that no one would see and then he hides. He doesn't tell anyone what he has done about it for a few days because he's scared of repercussions. He's scared not only of the Midianites that have invaded Israel, but he's also scared of his own family, his own people. And so, Gideon, this unremarkable individual, this coward, this man who with great hesitation follows God, he is still the one to lead Israel into battle. And in our text today, we see that when push comes to shove, God calls him. Gideon suddenly seems to transform. He leads the people of Israel out, and he willingly cuts back their numbers down to just 300, accepting that, yeah, 300 is going to be enough. So how is it that this individual, this man who is so afraid of everything and everyone, can lead a small band against a great enemy? It's the Holy Spirit. For the text, it tells us that the Holy Spirit came on to Gideon. But the Hebrew word, ladesh, it means to clothe, to wrap around. So in a sense, the Spirit not so much comes upon Gideon, but it clothes himself with Gideon. It, it takes Gideon from the inside. It is not an external act in which the Holy Spirit comes and acts from the outside. It is from within. But still, it takes a little bit more than that to get Gideon going. For Gideon, ultimately his weakness is seen in this, in this story of the fleece. For not once, but twice, he asked God to demonstrate his power over nature, to, to put the dew on the fleece but not on the ground, to put it then on the ground and not on the fleece. For Gideon, his weakness in all of this is not necessarily his fear, his uncertainty, but it's his unbelief. Gideon does not trust God. For just like the people of Israel who have such a short memory of the wonder and power of God who brought them into the promised land, drove out the nations before them, and gave them good, farmable land to live, Gideon he forgets all this. He forgets of the previous generations that had been delivered by the judges. He does not trust God to deliver the people, which is why he tests God. He's forgotten who Yahweh is. I, the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He's forgotten the power that God has exhibited throughout all of history. And so he tests God as if he's never met God before, never heard any of his stories, he's, he's asking for proof that God is powerful enough to save them because he certainly does not feel himself capable. And God is patient. God is patient in Gideon's weakness. He's patient in his distrust. And he says, it's okay. I will walk with you through this journey and remind you of just how powerful I am. In Gideon's weakness, God comes alongside him and gently confirms his power. He could very easily chastise Gideon for trying to test him, for trying to, to push him as far as he possibly could. Could you imagine if for a third time Gideon said, I'm going to lay out two fleeces, half on the lawn, half on one fleece, none on the other. Just making it more and more obscene. I imagine God would continue to be patient. 
and say, Gideon, enough is enough. You know who I am. I'm not calling you to save Israel because you are capable of it. Because if we know of anything of God throughout history, throughout the entirety of scriptures, that he chooses the least and the lowest. He chose Jacob to become Israel, the second twin, the weaker one. He chose Joseph to help save his people from famine, the eleventh brother of twelve. And here God chooses Gideon, not because of his strength, but his weakness. And God proves how worthy of his trust he is. And it's in this weakness that God demonstrates his power by reducing the number of fighting men down to a mere 300 from 22,000. I'm not even going to try and do that math to figure out what power he's reduced them. But really, if you were the Midianites and you saw 300 men marching towards you, you might have a laugh. It's a pathetic army. But Gideon is confident because God has proven himself stronger than the powers of nature, and so he will be stronger than their enemies. And he really believes it because of the Spirit in him. Amidst this weakness, the Spirit has stepped into Gideon, not quite unlike Iron Man. Iron Man's a superhero. But whenever we think about who that is, we don't think necessarily about the suit itself. We don't think about the technology and all it's capable of. We think of Tony Stark. For if you ask someone, what's your favorite superhero and why do you want to be them? Well, they might say Iron Man, but what they really mean is Tony Stark because he's the smart one. He's the one that makes the suit go. He's in charge of all that technology and he's the one that gives the suit power by virtue of of the arc reactor in his chest. Without Tony Stark pulling the strings, the suit is really nothing. And so in this way, the spirit then steps into Gideon. He gives him life, purpose. He provides him with the power he needs to overcome his weakness, his inability to do anything. And it's very much the same for us today. And the Spirit can lift us up in our weakness and can do it so well because of Jesus. For in Hebrews 4.15, it talks about, for we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. We might be tempted to think that how can the Spirit The Spirit of God who has never known any struggle, any sense of weakness, who the Trinity, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has so much power and authority, how could they ever really understand what it means to doubt, to be uncertain, to come up to things and tasks in our lives where we feel so ill-equipped? But this is the importance of Jesus coming down to earth in flesh and blood, just like you and me, so that he might know all the weakness we struggle with, how hard it is sometimes to to be kind and upbeat when we are tired and exhausted and hungry, when we are called on to do more for our jobs, especially in light of this pandemic, things that we never thought we would have to do, teaching via live stream, helping our kids through online school, 
things that we just don't feel strong enough to continue and are so happy that this shadow is passing. But Jesus, who is in heaven now interceding for us at the right hand of God, knows all of our weakness intimately. And by his connection with the Spirit, the Spirit being Christ's presence on earth is able to talk to us and help us through the ways that we need it. Because when we are weak, just like Gideon, when we are the lowest of the low, it is an opportunity for God to demonstrate that he is in control, that he is the one who is able to accomplish all these difficult and impossible tasks. For when we talk about what the Spirit does in our lives, we are not going to preach about who we are and about our great gifts and abilities. No, we are going to do everything in our power to point to God, including those amazing gifts and abilities we have. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, in speaking with God, God says to Paul that my grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. And this is coming from Paul, someone whose letters we turn to for tons of inspiration, for tons of learning and knowledge. Paul talked about himself as being frail of body, of being not so eloquent, not a great speaker. And he is so glad that he has those shortcomings, that he's a terrible public speaker and that he doesn't look the part of a dashing hero because it gives him all the more opportunity to point to God as being the source of strength, to point to the spirit that is in him, that has clothed himself in Paul, just as it did in Gideon, as the one who was able to accomplish these difficult tasks. So I would invite you to think this week, as you go about your work, your play, your rest, as you come across a task that seems too difficult, that you don't feel up to snuff about, just ask yourself, in this moment, are you trying to be the Tony Stark of your own story? Are you trying to be the hero? Or can you be comfortable just being the suit, being the vehicle created for a purpose, but allow the Holy Spirit to do a bit of driving? so that we might boast, not in being the operator of our own lives, the author of our own experience, but by being operated and led and guided and strengthened and encouraged. And I wonder if this would have been easier for Gideon, if he wouldn't have had to have gone through so many tests, so much hiding, if he had just taken time to remember the story of God. It's why it's so important that we gather here week after week on Sunday, why we meet together during the week for Bible study, for community, so that we can tell stories of God, we can read his scripture, and we can remember the faithfulness and power of God. So that when we read these stories, so that when we read about Gideon, we can be reminded that when we feel as weak and full of unbelief and mistrust as Gideon, we can remember that God came through. Because if we kept reading in the story, we'd see that the 300 was more than enough. 
that all they had to do was be present at the edge of the Midianite camp, and God drove their enemies away. They hardly had to lift a finger. They could have been as weak as you could imagine, frail beyond belief, but it was not their strength that would win the day. And it is not our strength that is going to carry us through this life. And so this week, take some time. Sit down with a journal or, or a voice memo, whatever helps you express your thoughts. And think to this past year of when a task seemed too difficult and how somehow you managed to accomplish it beyond your own expectations. And there you will find the Spirit supplying the strength that we so desperately need in our weakness. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we confess that we try and do it all on our own that we believe that we can be the superhero of our own story. And we come before you and we ask you to free us of that expectation, free us of that false notion of our own power and pride. Holy Spirit, help us in our unbelief. Help us in our distrust that you are in control of all things. And encourage us. Encourage us to let go. Encourage us to rely on your strength. Because Almighty God, it is only through your power that we live and we breathe. And we are thankful that even when we struggle in our belief, that you are faithful to guide us through life. Amen.